We'll go to Nick Carboni, NBC Charlotte Sports Director, Sports Anchor. He's back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. What's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm good, man. Yeah, that's a no from me, dog, unless your reunion is at Stake 48 like the fantastic Olsen event was last night. Um, no way, man. I'm in the same boat. I'm coming up on the same year. And they'd have to pay me to drag me back to New England for that thing. I see everybody. I I, I see everybody I want to see anyway. Well, that's how I, I feel about it. Like five or six people anytime I want. That's how I feel about it. Like, I, and I only and I only have to drive two hours. You'd have to go all the way up to the Northeast. Like, I got to drive two hours to this thing, and I still don't want to do it. Um, we sound like those old grumpy muppets in the back of the theater. And I'm not sorry about it. I'm not the least bit sorry. I'm not the least bit sorry about it. I like being at home. I like going to sporting events and being at home. That's about it. Um, all right, buddy. Let, let's talk about a couple of things here. So, oh, Panthers race season ticket prices. Are you getting feedback from fans like I am? Because a lot of them not thrilled about it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely not. And that's just the nature of the NFL and the NBA, which obviously the Hornets raised prices a couple of weeks ago for next season. Doesn't matter the product that's on the field or the floor. These teams are money-making machines and money-making leagues, and they're going to do this more often than not. So uh, I understand why fans are not happy with it. Uh, some are, are getting the brunt of it uh, as opposed to others. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, n- mostly negative feedback, and I think that has a lot to do with not just you know the economic situation but also the uh, you know product on the field the last six years. Um, I, I know you've been monitoring Dave Canales and Dan Morgan at the NFL Combine this week. You and I both know what this event's about. Uh, it's about interviews and medicals, and you know most of the big-time names aren't performing increasingly year by year, too. Um, what, what did you think of what they had to say earlier today? Anything jump out to you from either either candidate? I mean, I I guess Canales talking about the run game. I I know that's so like kind of specific, and there's not a whole lot coming out of today. But if you're looking to to know what this offense's identity hopes to be, it's going to be one that sticks with the run and tries to let the run carry it through the final stretch of the season. I mean, he talked about being in Tampa last year and, you know, the run game being pretty sticky for them and not really working and and a lot of people wanting to get away from it and how they stuck with it and how that helped them and how they got better at it in the end and how that opened up the big play and it allowed them to win games and go to the playoff and win a game, playoffs and win a game. And obviously that's something last year under Frank Reich and others that just did not happen. The, The run game was not stuck with. It did not benefit Bryce Young in any real way. Uh, so I think that's what Dave Canales wants to do. And he basically said, like, I dare you to see how stubborn I can be with it. So I, I guess we'll find out. Uh, so that and, and then what he said about Bryce Young, you know, he, he says it's not a, quote, big fix for Bryce Young. The more he dove into the tape from last season uh, that they need to put the pieces around him on offense. I think we can all see that. And with Dan Morgan, you know, if Scott Fitter was the I'm in on every deal guy. Dan Morgan is the everything's on the table guy. And that seems to be what, what the case is with Brian Burns. Uh, it's, I guess, guess interesting reading between the lines on the Burns comments. Oh yeah. <laughs> the one, somebody just said, uh, Hey, at least we know Dan Morgan's not a BSer. He's not that that's for sure. Um, he delivers the linebacker eyes and he tells you what he believes to be the truth. And that's really all you're going to get. And I appreciate that from him. I really do. Now, how do they, in your estimation, best, load up on weapons if they even can how do they weaponize this offense around Bryce Young given their lack of first round pick a little bit of cap money to spend actually a bit more than expected but you know they're not exactly swimming in riches how do they weaponize this offense 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting because a lot of those quote-unquote riches that they'd like to be swimming in are going to be spent keeping this defense together as best they can, uh, specifically when it comes to Brian Burns and Frankie Luvu entering free agency paired with uh, a potential and likely long-term extension for Derek Brown. So what are they going to have left? Certainly the cap increase should help with some of that. Uh, but I think at 33, I mean, they're in a draft that, and it's not just them saying this, we've heard this for the last couple of months, that receivers are plentiful even beyond the first round. So they seem to be in a pretty good spot to go get somebody that can help Bryce Young right away. And we've heard the names you know, that could do that, uh, including on your program. So I think that, to me, seems to be the lean at 33. I told you before, yes, the offensive line was a problem last year, but I don't think shuffling all that personnel to begin next season is the answer. I think the focus should be more on guys that can create separation and get open for Bryce Young. This offensive line uh, certainly had its issues, but the core of those issues were in the core of the line and Austin Corbett and Brady Christensen being injured at the end of the 2022 season and not being healthy for the 2023 season. So I think it's playmaker first, and I think they're in a decent spot with that first pick in the second round to go do that. Are you ta- are you are you picking at 33, or are you, as some have suggested, looking to trade back to accumulate more picks? I, I think personally, I think there's a case for both, but I, I just don't have much of an appetite for moving off of 33 myself. Yeah, I mean, I I guess it depends on where those other receivers are on your board and how close they are to maybe the the best one, so to speak, at 33, because you can always use more draft capital, especially this franchise right now. But uh, I'd probably stay there and get the very best guy, um, you know, also at a position of need that's available on, you know, that Friday. I mean, Friday is basically your round one and your number one overall pick. So I'd probably use it, but I, I you know, I'd definitely be, be looking to see what you get back. Just going back a few spots, recouping some assets and still picking a guy you like. Nick Carboni, NBC Charlotte sports director, sports anchor. He's with us on the body works plus guest hotline. Hornets back in action tonight. They've won five of six. They're five and one since uh, all the deals were made. The new guys showed up and, Trying to figure out what it all means, Nick. Uh, we're a couple of games further since the last time we talked. What have you thought about the last seven days? Yeah, I mean, the defensive, I don't even want to call it resurgence or renaissance or anything with re in it because it wasn't there in the first place, right? I mean, all season long, this team was bad on defense. The only glimmer of defense we saw from this team the last two years was post-All-Star break with a bunch of young guys last year. Uh, so what they've been doing defensively, Uh, how they've all fit together, certainly on the offensive end, but on the defensive end and the execution and effort uh, has been sorely missed, much needed, and is super important the rest of the way. We'll see how that that works when LaMelo Ball is back on the floor. But I'm really interested in this week because, you know, they've been kind of flying under the radar a little bit NBA-wise the first week or so since the deadline. Now people are starting to pick up on it. They got two games against the Bucks this week. If they can snag one of these games, like – I'm very interested to see how they play against Milwaukee this week and how that starts to turn heads. And I don't think we're in the, the conversation to be talking about even play in at this point. Certainly mathematically could get there, but I think how this all translates and transitions into having a culture and a defensive identity for next season is really important right now. And I think this week is going to be big for that. I th- this So I don't think – did you and I talk last week about your thoughts on Steve Clifford being able to – 
you know, maybe save his job here in the last 30 games. Do you have any idea of like what you think he'd have to do, how many games he'd have to win? Can he convince them at this point that it was more about the roster and the personnel? And, and now that he's got some adults, he actually does know what he's doing. I mean, I think it's obvious right now, <laughs> five and one since these guys came in, that they got experienced players who have some skill, who are used to winning, who have good habits, who take to what he's trying to do on defense, not just effort-wise, but just like kind of knowing how to play defense in the league. You know, some of it was effort with the, the previous group, but a lot of those guys are just, they're just G League players right now. So getting Steve Clifford, real NBA guys, whom he can coach and deploy and employ how he wants, I think shows you exactly the type of coach he is and can be. And, you know, if I'm the owners, I'm looking at that, even that small sample size, and I'm starting to think about it. Um, because clearly, you know, the, the culture is starting to pick up. The defense obviously is picking up. And, you know, you've got some pieces to build around. So I, I certainly don't think it's out of the question, even after this 5 and one sample size. I'm with you. Hey, last thing, and I'm, I'm going to play a clip for everybody when we come back. Uh, it's, it's a suggestion on how to fix NBA All-Star Weekend. And it really caught my attention. I think one of our listeners, I think it was if Xavier's out, Xavier Porter, if you're, Xavier, if you're out there, I think it was you that sent it to me. Um, but I love this clip. And I'm not going to spoil the whole thing, but the idea was let's scrap the All-Star game as we know it and put together a bracket of 16 of the best players in the NBA and have them play one-on-one. And the, the last man standing you know, is the last man standing. And not only is it different and more interesting, but it changes legacies is the argument that, you know, years from now we'd be talking about, man, can you believe how many one-on-one titles that uh, LaMelo Ball won or that Jason Tatum won? Like, how would that, does that strike you as, would you be interested in that? What do you think? Absolutely. And I'd mic them up. And I don't know if that's part of the pitch too, <laughs> but it's just like, you know, those, those new golf events they have. Bro, you work um, in TV, you know, that won't work. <laughs> <laughs> they can figure it out. I think you you mic up Jimmy Butler and he's going up against Jason Tatum. I'm in for sure. Anything. I mean, we talked about it last week. Like I didn't watch a single second of that. Yeah, that's true. I, I love the <laughs> idea. I just want to see how that struck you. Nick Carboni, you're the best brother. Thank you for the time. See you, KB. Hey.